Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the special edition of the Ball Blast podcast. We have your sports physical therapist, injury specialist for the Ball Blast football brand, Matthew Betts here. We had a lot of week one injuries. We have a lot of updates to give. So Matthew Betts is here to break it all down for us and give us the skinny. How's it going, Matt? Oh, Kate, I'm doing okay. I am recovering after a long week one. I was just talking with you before I started recording about, I mean, these Monday night games, man, for us on the East Coast, they're just so late. Uh, but you and I are both up writing articles late into the evening. So I'm, I'm dragging this morning, but certainly coming off the high of week one. I'm just so happy football is back. So happy to be it with you today and, and talk football. Yeah, it, it definitely is something I don't think we ever predicted that we would actually end up completing week one and it things seemed pretty uh pretty smooth injuries aside I think that uh you know I, I was expecting uh maybe some more uh sloppy football I, I I was kind of impressed with the games that some of these teams put together given the lack of offseason so really interested to see how this this sort of evolves from here yeah and, and too you know just along those lines like hats off to the NFL um there was skepticism about like would the season start what would the numbers look like as far as the COVID testing? And uh, it went off smooth sailing. Hopefully it can continue, but at least week one's in the books. And and now we got to break down the injuries. Love it. Let's dive in. So uh, one of the most significant injuries of the week, slating rookie Jonathan Taylor up for a monstrous workload. We've got our friend Marlon Mack, torn right Achilles. He's out for the season. What what do we expect from here on out from the the rest of the crew and um is max value just sort of done is he uh he's certainly droppable and redraft but what does this mean for for his dynasty value and and so forth man it's it's so tough right like marlon mack was a guy that um was projected to maybe have a 50 50 split with jonathan taylor this season and then potentially land a gig somewhere else next season Uh, of course he's in the final year of his contract and then he tears his achilles and honestly, in the matter of minutes, his dynasty value is just non-existent at this point. You look at the free agency class heading into next year, and then also a strong running back class in the 2021 rookies. I find it tough to see a scenario where Marlon Mack gets a starting job next season. So yeah, he'll undergo surgery. He'll have about a year recovery. So I expect him to be ready for week one next year. But again, you know what is his role? He'll probably be a backup somewhere. So it's tough. But unfortunately, for Marlon Mack, his dynasty value takes a massive, massive hit here in, like I said, a matter of minutes. Now, what what would you expect, um, you know, sort of in return, if you're the Marlon Mack owner and you're looking to uh, get rid of him and, and you're looking for just any compensation you could get, what is the, the lowest level of compensation uh, that you'd be willing to take for Marlon Mack at this point? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if we're talking rookie picks, I would certainly take a second for him if there was someone else looking to to grab him for that. I don't know if there is that, though, in your league, another person that wants to get him for a second. And it's like at a third, you might as well just hold him and hope that he kind of finds a, a favorable situation. So, yeah, it's tough. I feel like you're kind of in no man's land with Mac. But if I can get a second for him, I mean, yeah, easy. I'm, I'm getting rid of Mac for that. 
Love it. And I, I do. I'm so excited. Obviously, it's super on brand for us. Jonathan Taylor is going to have a monstrous rookie season. We did see a ton of involvement from Naeem Hines, uh, probably more than we would like. I think he ended up as the running back three on the week, if I'm remembering correctly. Because why um, not, right? 2020. <laughs> because why not? This is 2020 and this is how we do things now. Uh, this is this is a COVID world and I can't make sense of it. But Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, it's sort of interesting because Mac really was the go-to guy prior to that torn Achilles. Uh, We really didn't see much of uh, Jonathan Taylor at all, aside from a a nice long screen pass prior to that injury. So it's going to be super exciting to see how he progresses. Uh, Another big injury, George Kittle hyperextended his knee. Uh, You have listed him as week to week, but this is a guy that we drafted in possibly the second round of our fantasy drafts. What can we, uh, you know, sort of expect if he is playing? I know he returned to the field after halftime uh, after that injury, but didn't have a catch afterward. What do we expect from George Kittle? Do we expect him to be active? And if so, are you playing him? Yeah, this is 2020 is like such a creepy year. Um, it's so weird. George Kittle literally suffered the exact same injury last year on Halloween against the same team, the Cardinals. So uh, wow. I don't know what's up with this year, but yeah, this the same injury. And really what it comes down to is when you have that hyperextension injury, you know, you kind of went up for that catch and you know, Jimmy G definitely overthrew him, uh, hung him out to dry. He comes down, lands on his left leg, and the defender drives his knee backwards. It essentially stretches the back of the joint and can lead to a ligament injury. It sounds like, fortunately, Kittle was able to avoid a serious ligament injury, but the back part of the knee gets stressed and it gets stiff and swollen. can lead to pain when you're trying to uh, play football and can lead to a bone bruise inside the joint, which is what happened last year for George Kittle. So even though he came back into the game, Certainly Monday and Tuesday, like he's waking up with way more uh, stiffness and swelling in that knee. I think he's a long shot to play here in week two. And certainly if he does get out there in week two, he's going to be un- you know less than 100%, no doubt about it. So for Kittle, I would honestly expect him to do little to, to nothing in practice, probably sit for this week and then potentially come back in week three. But again, same injury last year. He missed two games, a uh, similar situation probably here in 20, 2020. What a bummer to start the season. Now, if you are the George Kittle manager, do you have any suggestions for some some other options that we might be looking at? Um, you know, Jimmy Graham got a touchdown, faces off against the Giants this week. Uh, any, is there any option that, that you're actually considering here uh, in terms of a, a, a fill-in, a, a waiver wire acquisition? Who are you trusting this week? Yeah, the tight end group just got so thin, right? We we lost Blake Jarwin as well, who we'll talk about with the ACL injury. Now George Kittle. Uh, a guy I'm looking at potentially is Jonu Smith, who had a pretty nice game last night on Monday Night Football. He was involved uh, in the red zone. He was involved a lot with Ryan Tannehill. They threw the ball more than I thought they would uh, for Tennessee. So he's a guy who's athletic. He can run after the catch. Uh, they even line him up in the backfield a little bit too. So they manufacture touches for him. He's a guy that I'm looking at as a potential waiver wire ad. But yeah, it's tough at tight end. I mean, it's... It's a wasteland out there, as it always is in in the tight end land, landscape. Yeah, and they, uh, the Titans face off against the Jaguars. I do think that we saw a little bit more out of the Jaguars than any of us were expecting this week, but still not a, uh, a shutdown defense by any stretch of the imagination. Let's move on. We've got Le'Veon Bell, who uh, we've already talked about on uh, in some of our Ball Blast extra uh, Patreon material. 
Le'Veon Bell, not not the picture of efficiency to begin with, now has a hamstring injury, going to be out for at least two weeks. Again, I I don't know what to make of of Le'Veon Bell. Is he droppable in redraft leagues? Oh gosh, I, I don't I don't think you can. Um, it it's so scary to like say no to that question because in my heart I want to say yes. <laughs> I, I just don't want anything to do with Le'Veon Bell, and, and that hasn't changed since. August, right? Like we were kind of talking about fading Le'Veon Bell. There was talks of volume being there for him, but even in the offseason, Adam Gase was saying, you know, other backs are going to be involved. There's been rumors that those two haven't been getting along very well. He hasn't really been getting run in practice. And then now he comes out, has the hamstring injury in the first half with a wrap on his leg for some reason, gets put back in the game and aggravates it to no one's surprise. So I, I don't know. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, he's probably looking at at least a, a two week absence. It's tough. It, obviously, if your league has an IR spot, you stash him and you kind of hope for better days ahead or maybe a trade when the Jets fall out of playoff contention, which they will certainly do. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a it's a weird situation. Certainly don't want any part of Le'Veon Bell. And now we're looking at a backfield that might be led by Frank Gore. Again, 2020, can you Yeesh. please just stop it? <laughs> <laughs> we did also see an appearance of Josh Adams, who's a guy that I really liked from your Philadelphia Eagles, but never really found his footing as a starter. So Maybe there's some uh, some potential for for this guy to emerge and and have some relevant touches. But Le'Veon Bell, given his age, um, you know, I'm I'm going to guess the uh, risk of re-injuring that soft tissue injury is probably pretty high, right? It is. We so know he- that every year that goes by, the the risk goes up by 1.3 times. We also know that the biggest risk is in the first two weeks back on the field. Average return to play is about 13 days for a hamstring injury. So if we're looking at a situation where Le'Veon Bell, for some reason, is active this week or next week, I will still be you know, telling people to, to fade away from, from Le'Veon Bell. And certainly, he'll be down in my ranks, no doubt about it. All right. Michael Thomas came out with a uh, left ankle. Oh, sorry. Uh, Michael Thomas with a left high ankle sprain. He is listed as week to week. Uh, he got uh, rolled up on from behind while blocking for Latavius Murray. I think we should probably expect uh, some some time missed from Michael Thomas, but he did continue to play through that injury. Do you think that was just um, – or wait, did he? I think he came out – right at the very end of the game at that point, but it was already at a situation where the Saints were leading. They probably didn't really need him anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, speaking to the injury, you, you saw Latavius Murray like come up on the backside of his ankle, and he uh, he's so lucky, Michael Thomas, so, so lucky that his foot was not stuck on the ground. If his foot stays planted on the ground and Latavius Murray hits his ankle, I mean, we're talking about a situation where he potentially is out for the year, out for several months, like major, major injury for Michael Thomas. So his foot kind of slipped out from underneath him. It didn't get stuck on the turf, which saved his season, which is great for us, you know, in fantasy and obviously for the Saints as well. Um, I actually have some optimism that he's going to play. The fact that he was still able to be on the sideline, moving around, they didn't really examine it heavily right away, like tells us it's probably not a serious injury. Now, will he be 100% in week, in week two? Probably not. It also puts us in a weird spot because... They play on Monday Night Football this week, the Saints do. So I do expect him to potentially come out and play less than 100%. But again, you, you might want to look for other options or you know stash in Emmanuel Sanders or someone like that on Monday Night Football so that you're not just stuck with Michael Thomas if he is ruled out. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders actually is sort of an interesting play because he is a guy that did not pop off on paper 
whatsoever from a stat line standpoint, but he's a guy that made a couple of really nice and significant plays. Um, you know, he almost almost came down with a, a touchdown, a second touchdown. He could be an interesting factor in this offense, uh, just based off of you know potential volume from the Michael Thomas injury. The only thing that makes me nervous, and I think they mentioned this on the Around the NFL podcast, uh, it sounds like Michael Thomas was reluctant to get uh, examined by the training staff. I don't know if you heard about that or if you heard those rumors, but it almost reminds me of that situation where uh, we saw Des Bryant uh, ditching appointments and and skipping out on, on, I think it was an MRI for his back um, or for his knee, but... uh, you know, I think a lot of that stemmed from concern that maybe this injury was a little worse. Um, so I don't know what to make of that, if anything, but worth noting, uh, if nothing else, uh, for the fun image of having these uh, trainers chase Michael Thomas around trying to examine his ankle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Devontae Parker, he has a hamstring strain. He is likely out for a week to what does this mean for Preston Williams, Mike Gusecki, uh, how are you feeling about that? And also, how how do you feel about his uh, sort of season-long outlook, considering the fact that, uh, again, all, all we're seeing is these soft tissue injuries, and it does place these guys at risk for re-aggravation upon return? Yeah, no doubt about it. And specifically for Devontae Parker, his risk is going to be higher than someone else who just picked up a hamstring injury this week. The reason being that he entered week one on the injury report because of his hamstring, which he picked up late in training camp, as we've seen across the league, these soft tissue injuries at the highest rate they've ever been. And really, you know, when you aggravate a pre-existing injury, the recovery timeline gets pushed back. So it's going to be longer than I think people realize before Devontae Parker is back at 100%. Certainly not expecting him in week two. Honestly, probably not even expecting him in week three. So you're looking at potential multi-game absence for Devontae Parker. So yeah, I think this opens up the door for Preston Williams. Uh, you know I'm a fan of Mike Kosicki as is Okada here at the Ball Blast brand. Um, and really, when you look at the the passing you know, options, outside of Devontae Parker and those two names, there isn't much. So I think this could be a sneaky opportunity. You know, we talked about a tight end replacement. Maybe if Mike Kosicki's on the waiver wire, you go snag him knowing that you could get two to three weeks of solid production out of him, given the lack of Devontae Parker's uh, production. Now, if you don't have a uh, IR slot or what have you in your redraft leagues, you probably took Devontae Parker and I, you know, I would estimate like the sixth round, given his, you know, sort of later round draft capital, uh, not necessarily a late round value, but would you consider dropping him in redraft or is, is there any optimism that he might actually come to return value for where you drafted him? I think in the end of the season, like certainly we could see that, especially if they keep Ryan Fitzpatrick in the game to, to start a quarterback. He's been productive for wide receivers in the past. So, yeah, I don't think Devontae Parker's season is over by any means. If you have to drop him, it could be it could be a situation where if you drop him, it's OK, because if he's out for week two, I would not expect many people to pick him up and play him or pick him up and be excited to have him. And they might see him as out and then drop him again. So it could be a situation where he's kind of floating around on and off rosters for a, a week or two. Personally, if I had Devontae Parker, I would still hold him and just kind of wait and see how this plays out. Uh, But, you know, shallow league, if you need the roster spot, certainly you could argue it's worth it. All right. How about Duke Johnson? We actually saw uh, David Johnson, the Johnsons, uh, both come out of that Thursday night matchup with injuries. But 
we saw David Johnson return as we saw Duke Johnson leave with a sprained ankle. Um, how do you feel about David Johnson's workload moving forward? Yeah, whether we want him to have a full workload or not, or whether or not you know the Texans want him to, he will have it. He's going to have to have it because Duke Johnson is is likely to miss week two, potentially even longer, uh, dealing with a left ankle sprain. Yeah, the thing that's encouraging about David Johnson is not just the fact that he looked pretty good on Thursday Night Football, is that he's going to have an opportunity in the passing game with Duke Johnson out. We saw them kind of splitting third down work. And with Duke Johnson out, they, they take on the Ravens in week two. Certainly, you expect Deshaun Watson and company to be behind in that one. There could be some sneaky PPR value here for David Johnson in week two and potentially longer if Duke Johnson continues to miss time. I love it. Um, so we have, uh, this is so 2020, right? David Njoku, uh, who actually had a pretty, pretty nice game to start the season there against the Baltimore Ravens. He ended up on IR with a knee injury. Uh, let's talk about that because I thought this was a pretty interesting uh, storyline to watch. Everybody was really psyched about Austin Hooper heading into the season. But then we saw David Njoku actually get uh, one more target, had one more reception, uh, 50 yards to Hooper's 15 in a touchdown uh, to boot. So how do you feel uh, that, you know, this absence, um, you know, might affect the rest of the, the pass catchers in Cleveland? But also, when do we expect David Njoku back? Yeah, David Njoku has been placed on injured reserve. And, and this season, the rules have changed for IR. So you'll see a lot of players going on IR and you might be like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Their season is over. And sometimes that is the case, but sometimes not. And in, in this case specifically, you're allowed to bring a player back and you don't have to designate which ones you're keeping on long-term versus short-term IR. So you're going to see everyone being put on IR for an injury that lasts more than three weeks. That's kind of the, the limitation of IR. You have to be out for at least three weeks to be considered for that. And they put David Njoku on the short-term IR list because of his sprained MCL in his knee. It's the ligament that sits on the very inside of the knee. Really important for cutting and stability. It does heal very well without surgery, so he will come back this season, but will miss at least three weeks and potentially not be quite at 100% uh, for his return for the first week or so, projecting about a four- to six-week recovery timeline here for David Njoku. So he will be out for at least three weeks, and we know you know, the story has been the, these, this offense wants to use two tight ends. And if David Njoku is not out there, certainly that affects their game plan. We could potentially see them go more towards Odell and Jarvis. I mean, I don't know about you, but this Browns offense looked atrocious in week <laughs> one. And it's it's concerning, to say the least. But uh, there is hope and opportunity potential for more from o Odell and company there in, uh, in Cleveland. I'm going to say that uh, it is 2020, so we will probably see tight end Harrison Bryant explode for absolutely nothing within the Cleveland offense to help us uh, in no way whatsoever. I'm just, I'm calling my shot now. It just seems like the 2020 thing to happen. Um, let's talk about Justin Jackson running back with the Los Angeles Chargers. He is considered the backup to Mr. Studmuffin. Austin Eckler came out with a quad injury, didn't return um, in the, in the, absence of Justin Jackson we got to see a little bit of Joshua Kelly and he looked very nice he looked very um explosive so uh is this the point like where we go out and spend all of our fab on Joshua Kelly because of his potential role and uh maybe maybe Justin Jackson doesn't really make it back into that rotation 
I think it's a, an opportunity to put a decent amount of fab on a player who's only 13% rostered on Yahoo. Uh, yes, I am adding Joshua Kelly with confidence. I mean, the talk all offseason has been someone is going to take control of that complimentary role alongside Austin Eckler. And yes, it was against the Bengals, so of course they were set up to succeed. But still, Joshua Kelly is a guy coming out of UCLA that I think is more talented than Justin Jackson. We saw Justin Jackson miss time late in camp with a foot injury and now picked up this new injury as well. So yeah, I think it's it's realistic to see a scenario where Joshua Kelly maintains that kind of 1B or backup role, however you want to you want to put it, for the Chargers there. I would certainly be putting up, I don't know, 40%, 50% of fab to go wow. get him. I think you could have a, a flex-type player uh, for the rest of the season. That's actually, that's super intriguing. Uh, it's a bold move to make early on in the season, but I like that you're planning your flag there. Uh, let's talk about Jordan Howard running back with the Miami Dolphins. That is weird to say. Uh, <laughs> he was not uh, particularly effective, uh, left the game uh, eventually with a hamstring strain. Good Lord, all of these hamstrings are uh, in trouble. But now we have the uh, somewhat of a, an emergence from Miles Gaskin, uh, rushed nine times for 40 yards, uh, caught all four of his targets uh, for 26 yards. Not like overly productive, but he was a nice surprise and he's available on waivers. Um, it, how do you feel about Miles Gaskin and his season long outlook, uh, given the fact that, you know, we, we have this injury from Jordan Howard and now, you know, we saw a lack of involvement from Breda. There should be some opportunity there, right? Yeah, it was really surprising, I think, to see Miles Gaskin get the run that he did in that game. The real, you know, concern though, just with any of these guys, is A, it's the Dolphins, and B, <laughs> you know, are they gonna be able to keep themselves in games where they're viable in the rushing attack? And we saw it, you know, in, in week one against the the Patriots coming down, getting down early. They're five and a half point underdogs this week again against Buffalo. So you're looking at a situation where the Dolphins are likely to be trailing in most of their games. You probably want the pass catching back in that offense. And we don't really know who it is quite yet. We did see Gaskin get four targets. He caught all four balls for 26 yards. But Breda has been a guy that's excelled in the passing game too, right? So it's tough. I mean, I'm not that excited about Gaskin. It's a bad offense. It's a, a weird game script likely where they're probably not going to be able to use him on the ground the way they want to. I'll throw a few bucks at him on Fab if I need a running back, but yeah, certainly I'm I'm not that excited about it. All right, some a uh, couple of more maybe significant injuries uh, when it comes to your fantasy football teams. We've got James Conner last night left the game pretty early on with a high uh, or with a left ankle sprain. He's listed as week to week. He actually, you know, he got taped back up. He was warming up on the sidelines. You saw him, you know, sort of jogging in place, sort of consistently but didn't end up coming back into the game uh looked like he might have been trying to uh but you know Benny Snell was looking pretty effective uh didn't really need him and he wasn't that effective beforehand so they didn't push it but how are you feeling about James Conner what's our our expected timeline for him and how much should we grab Benny Snell for because he was just one of three running backs to uh surpass the 100 yard rushing mark in week one that's wild. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so wild. Oh my gosh. 2020, what are you doing to us? Uh, Seriously. But back, to, back to James Conner. He he did pick up that ankle injury, but I'm optimistic, and I think the team is too. And the reason for that is we didn't really see 
any like major injury with the ankle. Like we didn't see anything on video where he got rolled up on or any kind of crazy like twisting mechanism, anything like that. So it's likely a mild ankle sprain and not to downplay it. You know, of course it matters. The fact that he was still on the sideline, getting taped up, trying to kind of keep it loose and moving on the sideline tells me that if he absolutely had to come back in, he probably could have, but Benny Snell was looking good. Um, lost weight in the offseason, trimmed down, got more explosive. He looked good laterally too. So yeah, I think Benny Snell is a guy that we should be having on our rosters. And certainly if you have James Conner, kind of having that insurance piece, I think is huge. We know how volatile James Conner is in fantasy because of his injury history. And in week one, you know, it proves to be true again. So I do think James Conner could play in week two. Will he see a limited role with Benny Snell taking a step forward? I think potentially. And I'm willing to go grab Benny Snell for probably 15 to 20% of fab to get a guy who we know, you know, based off what happened in the offseason and in week one, that if James Conner does go down, Benny Snell's the guy. He is. We really saw, um, you know, Jalen Samuels just come in for third down reps. Um, last but not least, let's talk about Philip Lindsay left last night's game with a turf toe injury, which uh, I am not psyched about, but it did pave the way for Melvin Gordon to assume that full workload. Uh, we saw them sort of rotating in and out. We, um, you know, saw more of an even split than I think any of us expected based on where we drafted Philip Lindsay in the lineup. So maybe uh, Philip Lindsay isn't as significant as an injury because uh, you drafted him really late, but what does this mean for Melvin Gordon? Yeah, these turf toe injuries are just so tricky. I mean, especially for running back, you need your big toe to extend backwards to to kind of push off, especially at the line of scrimmage or as you kind of you know take the ball and you start to explode forward. It's so crucial and it's such a high re-injury risk with these running backs and wide receivers um, that I'm a little bit nervous about Philip Lindsay. Even a mild turf toe uh, would likely keep him out for week two and then the re-injury risk is certainly there so yeah I think Melvin Gordon you know got the opportunity last night looked pretty decent in, in that role he's excelled in the passing game previously and we saw Drew Locke check it down quite a bit last night so I'm encouraged about Melvin Gordon you know there was he's kind of in that dead zone of drafts right like fourth or fifth round where you're like I don't really want any of these running backs I'd rather take a wide receiver <laughs> but he might be a value at this point given with what's happened here with Philip Lindsay so yeah it's tough for a guy who just works so hard you know, the home hometown hero there in Denver, right, with with Philip Lindsay. Always root for a guy like that, but I do expect him to miss week two, uh, potentially longer. All right. Is there anybody else that we missed that uh, we might need to keep on our, our radar for the coming weeks? I would say two guys that we should monitor for sure. And really, we, we know the story with Debo Samuel. He's on IR, that short-term IR. He's out till at least week four. A bummer. He's reportedly suffered a setback with his Jones fracture, which does happen. It does carry a relatively high re-injury risk if you try to come back too early. And I, I know talking with Stefania Bell on one of our recent shows, she was telling me that like she heard that he was pushing to get back out there and pushing to play. And that can be risky with this, this type of Jones fracture. So yeah, we're looking at a situation now where we don't have Debo for at least the first four weeks of the season. Who knows what he's going to be when he comes back? We'll see. And then for Miles Sanders, you know, it, this is a situation where the Eagles haven't really told us much about the severity, but he picked up the injury in training camp and then was really optimistic about playing in week one. And then all of a sudden, now he's he's not even traveling with the team. And that tells you that the coaching staff might know more than we think and that the injury might be more serious than we are hoping for. So I'm not thinking that Miles Sanders is just a one and done type of deal. He'll be on the injury report this week. Uh, certainly a guy I'll be keeping close tabs on as we look forward to week two. Love it. We will continue to uh, keep an eye on that. We do have the 
awesome injury tracker over there on ballblastfootball.com. So everybody be sure to check that out. Uh, our own Matthew Betts will keep that updated throughout the week and throughout the season. We've got that uh, tabbed up there for you on the site, and we've got lots of lots of content to keep you uh, ready for your, your week-to-week lineups and uh, some betting content for our Patreon subscribers. So much going on over there at Ball Blast Football. So uh, please give uh, bets a follow at the Fantasy PT. You can follow me, Kate, on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Uh, be sure to check out the uh, Red Shirts Dynasty podcast in addition to our awesome content over at BallBlastFootball.com. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>